بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد We begin with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah, the most merciful, the bestower of mercy, praising Him and sending salutations, peace and blessings upon the Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and upon his family and his companions. I would like to begin by welcoming you all here today to this masjid this masjid which is a house from the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is from the grace of Allah azza wa jal and his mercy and his virtue that he gave us the ability to come together in this house from the houses of Allah to speak about this single most noble form of knowledge that exists there is nothing in the sciences of islam and the knowledge of islam that is more noble than knowing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nothing more virtuous than speaking about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we know this because we know that knowledge takes its virtue from the subject that it deals with. We all know that when somebody goes to study something like medicine, we give them a very you know, high status, we give them a very lofty position in our eyes when they come to study something like medicine. Why is that? Because it has such a high status, the, the knowledge it's saving people's lives and, and bringing people to good health. So how about the knowledge that deals with the most merciful, our Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This knowledge is the single most noble and most virtuous and most beautiful form of knowledge that anyone can have. And when I came to setting up the plan for this class, for this sort of bi-monthly lecture that is going to happen I thought about some of the reasons why we should choose this topic some of the reasons why we should speak about the names of Allah and some of the things that we should try to achieve some of the goals and our aims that we want from this course and I think we can begin with a hadith and we're going to begin with this hadith from two points of view and this hadith is a hadith that was narrated from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in which he said inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'ayna asman mi'atan illa wahida man ahsaha dakhal al-jannah indeed Allah has 99 names 100 less 1 99 names 100 less 1 100 less 1 is there to remind you or to make it firm in your mind that we're talking about 99 whoever now ahsaha is a difficult word to translate into English and the reason it's a difficult word to translate is sometimes we say ahsa al-ihsa is to count something or to sort of enumerate something, you know, to, to, to keep a number of it. But if you look at Lisan al-Arab, the classical Arab dictionary and, and Taj al-Uruz and similar dictionaries to that, you actually see that al-Ihsa is to keep something constantly going around in your mind for the purpose of acting upon it. So to keep something in your mind constantly 
there, always on the tip of your tongue, going around in your mind, you're enumerating it for the purpose of acting upon it. Man ahsaha dakhal al jannah. The one who enumerates them and the one who acts upon them and learns them to be to make them a an action and a part of their life, dakhal al jannah, they will go to jannah. And that is such an amazing reward for such a small sort of action. Just for us to learn the names of Allah, for us to learn how to put them into practice. And I'm really strong on this. I don't believe that teaching the names of Allah is teaching people to say, This is not teaching the names of Allah. Teaching the names of Allah is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا To Allah belong the best names. Use them in your dua. This is the purpose of learning the names of Allah. Because every time you know a little bit more about Allah, you get a little bit closer to Allah. And if we look at this from a a little bit of an, an extreme example. If we take the example of kufr and iman, a person who is, shall we say, far away from knowing Allah, doesn't know anything about Allah and you see how their actions change and how their beliefs change by the simple fact that they come to know who Allah is. The more you know about Allah, the closer you will be to Allah And this has an evidence for it in a hadith in which the Messenger of Allah told us that he is the most knowledgeable of us about Allah and that he is the most fearful among us of him. And these two things are related. Your fear of Allah your fear of Allah is related to how much you know about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The more you know about Allah, the more fearful you will be towards Allah, the more your prayer will have that khushu'ah, the more you will turn to Him, the more you will make dua to Him. Remembering that Allah Azza wa Jal told us about making dua to him. If you didn't make dua, your Lord would not care about you. The fact that you make dua to him is what makes you close to him and what gives you that feeling of iman. And there is no doubt that learning the names and the attributes of Allah Azza wa Jal is one of the things that increases you rapidly in Iman. It's like a steroid for Iman. It makes you suddenly get huge development and huge growth in your Iman just by learning a little bit about the names and attributes of Allah Azza wa Jal. So, one of the things that we want to do, insha'Allah ta'ala, in this class is we first of all want to establish some of the principles that relate to the names and attributes of Allah. And then when we've established some of the principles that relate to the names and attributes of Allah, we also want to learn those names. And then we want to not learn them just as a, as a name, just as a, something you just put in your memory, but something that you understand the deep meaning behind it. Not just that Allah means Allah and that, you know, Al-Ilah means the one who is worshipped and Al-Rahman means the most merciful, but for you to really understand what these names mean and then for you to understand how do you put these names into practice in your life. How do you live the names of Allah? Not just how do you recall them, but how do you live them? And throughout this class, I'm not going to begin with principles. We're going to, you're going to start at the beginning. But as we go through, we're going to cover some principles. 
And since I mentioned to you this hadith, Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'een asman, mi'atan illa wahida, man ahsaha dakhal jannah, kama qala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this hadith has two very important points related to it which are essential for us to understand as we begin our journey through the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first thing that we must understand is this statement, Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'een asma. Indeed, Allah has 99 names. Indeed, Allah has 99 names. The first thing that we should understand is that there is no specific number for the names of Allah And the difference here, for those of you who speak Arabic, is that the Prophet ﷺ did not say, إِنَّمَا إِنَّمَا لِلَّهِ تِسْعَةً وَتِسْعِينَ اسْمًا Innama is what we call min adat al-hasr. It says there's only this. There's nothing except this. This is the only thing that there is. And that's not used in the hadith. So the hadith is like the example of the person who says, in my pocket I have a hundred dirhams. Now I might have a thousand dirhams. I might have a hundred and a hundred and a hundred and a hundred and a hundred. But in my pocket, I have 100 dirhams. I'm not denying that there might be more money than that. I'm just telling you that within the money that I have in my pocket, there is 100 dirhams. And this is the same as the hadith, Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'een asma, that Allah has 99 names. It does not say Allah has only 99 names. It says that Allah has 99 names that if you enumerate them and act upon them and learn them, you will enter Jannah. So these 99 are a special 99 from the names of Allah. Someone might say, Ya Akhi Muhammad, burhanakum in kuntum Give me your truth if you're giving me your proof if you're if you're being truthful, give me a proof. I'll give you two. The first one is the authentic statement in the dua in which we say, Allahumma inni as'aluka bi kulli ismin huwalak, sammayta bihi nafsak, aw anzaltahu fi kitabik, aw allamtahu ahadan min khalqik, aw istatharta bihi fil ilmi al-ghaybi indak. O Allah, I ask you by every name that is yours, that you named yourself with, or sent down in your book, or taught to any one of your slaves, and now comes the key point, or you kept it in the unseen with you. You kept it in the unseen with you. And to add to that, the Prophet wasallam. I'm sure many of you have heard the hadith of the Shafa'a, Shafa'atul Uzma, the great intercession on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the Prophet ﷺ will be taught a praise of Allah that was not taught to anyone before him. All of these are evidences that there are names of Allah outside of these 99, but that these 99 have a special quality. But I'm going to give you a proof even stronger than that. And it is dalilun aqliyun shar'i. It's an evidence which is in accordance with the sharia and the intellect. I invite you to look through the Quran and the authentic sunnah and count the number of names that are mentioned for Allah. And what you will find is that they are above 99 in number. The number of names that are clearly, I'm not talking about the ikhtilaf 
or the ones that there is a disagreement about or the ones that are, you know, might be a name or might not be a name. You just go through the Quran and the authentic Sunnah and start counting. And what you're going to see is you're going to see that these names are more than 99. And so what we understand from this hadith is that there are not 99 names full stop. There are 99 names out of the names of Allah and the quality of that those particular 99 names is that whoever learns them and implements them will enter Jannah. So which of those names, which of the names are, are the 99? I liken this to the example of Laylatul Qadr. I give you the example of Laylatul Qadr. Which night is Laylatul Qadr? A person says the 25th, the 27th, the 23rd, the 21st, the 29th. What is the purpose of not knowing exactly when Laylatul Qadr is? One of the great benefits of it is, is that you do worship on every single night in Ramadan. Because you don't know when Laylatul Qadr is going to come. And the only way you can guarantee Laylatul Qadr is to pray all of the next 10 nights in Ramadan. Otherwise, you don't have a guarantee. If we compare that example to the 99 names of Allah, your solution is simply to learn all of the names of Allah. I started a website for this and I, I came to 120, 130, something like that. Not so much over. Learn all of them and within them will be the 99 names that will take you to Jannah bi-ibnillahi ta'ala. My second point about this hadith, and it's really important, is that this hadith was narrated by Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi among others. And one of the narrators, one of the, the recorders of this hadith was Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi and he recorded it from Abu Huraira. And there is something a little bit special about this hadith which has caused a huge error in the Ummah. Bigger than the error of the 99 names. And that is that this hadith in Jami' al-Tirmidhi is what we call mudraj. And mudraj means that there has been a mix-up between the statement of the Prophet and the statement of one of the narrators of the hadith and the two have been blended in together. So what happened was, the Shaykh who was narrating the hadith in one of the narrators of the chain, he was telling the hadith, Allah has 99 names, 100 less one, whoever enumerates them will enter paradise. And then he said, from his own opinion, they are. Everything onwards from the words they are is from the statement of that Shaykh and not from the statement of the Prophet And this has caused a calamity in the Ummah from the time that it was said until today. And that calamity is that some of those names are not correct. Some of those names that are mentioned in that narration, that da'if hadith, that weak hadith in Jami' al-Tirmidhi are not correct. And the problem is that people have taken that hadith to be a statement of the Prophet ﷺ. They haven't realized that it's a mix-up between the Prophet ﷺ and between somebody else. And then they have gone and made posters and they have made websites and they have made books and they have spread these names far and wide so that millions and millions of Muslims have memorized these names that are not correct. These names are not correct and some of them are clearly not valid as names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm not saying all of them because of course many of them are correct but there are a percentage in there that are not from the names of Allah And so your average poster that you see with the names of Allah on it will be around about 10 to 20% wrong. And so people are memorizing them incorrectly. And people are losing that opportunity for a means of, from the many means of entering paradise. So what we want to achieve by this lesson as well is to correct those. 
and to highlight some of the names that are not names of Allah. Some of the names that have been mistakenly passed on. And not just this hadith. Not just this hadith of Jami' al-Tirmidhi. But also other ahadith and other individuals and other people who have written, who have maybe... And you know, even what is what we say, what we call it al-mushtahir ala al-alsina. What the people kind of just say from one to another. And we want to, want to clarify these. So we have to give a proof for each name and we have to be firm in the fact that it is a name of Allah Because some of the difference of opinion in the names of Allah relates to the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is because Allah has names and I want you to think of it like three circles, one of them, in, each of them inside of the other. So there are three circles and each circle is inside of the other one. So the, the smallest circle is like an island in the middle and the middle circle is around it and the outer circle is around it. Three layers, or like you know you get those Russian dolls where one is inside of the other one. The smallest one refers to the names of Allah. The smallest one refers to the names of Allah. So the names of Allah are the smallest number in terms of what we are told about Allah. The second circle are the attributes of Allah. So there are more attributes than names. So sometimes you will see something mentioned in the Quran and it's mentioned about Allah but it's talking about an attribute of Allah and not a name of Allah. And I'll just, I'm, I'm just gonna sort of, just so we're really clear, because maybe not everybody understands attribute and name. I'll just give you a, a, an example of the two. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Ar-Rahman, we know this, the most merciful. And the attribute relating to Ar-Rahman is Rahma, mercy. So when Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَرَبُّكَ الْغَفُورُ ذُو الرَّحْمَةِ Your Lord is Al-Ghafoor ذُو الرَّحْمَةِ The second statement, ذُو الرَّحْمَةِ Owner of or possessor of mercy is an attribute of Allah and the first one, Al-Ghafoor, is a name of Allah. So we understand that every name has an attribute attached to it and then after that there are attributes that have no names attached to them. From this is that Allah Azza wa Jal is Dhuntiqam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who takes retribution. And this is an attribute of Allah Azza wa Jal. And the name Al-Muntaqim is not an authentic name of Allah Azza wa Jal. So we have to understand that the names are like a very small sort of island in the middle. And the attributes are uh, a much bigger sort of circle around. And some of the things you find in the Quran or in the Sunnah about Allah are attributes and not names. And that's a lot of ikhtilaf about, among the scholars, a lot of disagreement. The scholars will sometimes disagree with each other over whether something is an attribute or a name. And we have to have a standard of proof for something to be a name. I mean, for example, my name is Muhammad Tim. You know, if you want to sort of attach another name to that, you have to have an evidence that that's my name. And we're just talking about me. How about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Walillahi al-mathalu al-a'la. To Allah belongs the highest example. So there's no doubt if you want to attach something as being a name of Allah, we really have to have a very clear evidence for it. We have to have a very clear evidence for it. So we have to have a proof. On top of that, the largest circle, what is the largest circle? The largest circle is the akhbar. The things that we say about Allah that are true. The things that we say about Allah that are true. So for example, 
I give you an example. We say that Allah Azza wa Jal exists. He is mawjood. For sure Allah exists, no doubt about it. But there is no name of Allah that Allah is al-mawjood, the one who exists. And there is no attribute from the Quran or the ahadith that says that Allah is the one who exists. But we for sure we know that Allah Azza wa Jal exists. And this is the widest circle. This is what we call Al-Akhbar. Those things that are said about Allah that are true. Those things that are said about Allah Azza wa Jal that are true. And we call them Al-Akhbar. So we have the names which is the smallest circle. We have the attributes which is the next size up. And we have things we say about Allah that are true which are the next size up. Because you can say a lot of things about Allah that are true but they are neither names nor are they attributes. And of course, every name has an attribute and every attribute is something that you say about Allah that is true. So that last category covers all of the names and attributes, but within them there are attributes and within them there are names. So having got that out of the way and having covered that, I don't want to just sort of spend the lesson talking about principles. I want to give us at least, at least one name at least one name inshallah ta'ala and uh, in terms of making this work in the short time that we have one of the things that I want to do is uh, I want to try to gather the names by what we would term morphology or asarf basically names that have the same root or the same meaning in, the, in them for example ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim Arham al-Rahimin, and you know, put all of these together in one. So the first name that we're going to talk about is the first name mentioned in the Quran, and that is Allah. And where do we start to talk about this name, Allah? First of all, let's understand it linguistically, and we can move on from there. Let's understand it linguistically and then from there on we can continue and we can move on. Linguistically, the scholars differed over this in terms of a linguistic sense, but the stronger opinion is that the linguistic root of the word Allah is Al-Ilah. Al-Ilah. And Al-Ilah is also a name from the names of Allah So let's understand Al-Ilah and then we'll, we'll, we'll just come back to the name Allah. Al-Ilah is a name which means the God. It's a name which means the God. And what is a God? What is an Ilah? An Ilah is something that is worshipped. And by God I mean a small g. We're talking about what is a God, what is any God, a true God, a false God, what's a God? A God is something that is worshipped. Anything that is worshipped, that worship is directed towards, is known as a God. And of course there is one true God, Allah, and there everything else besides Allah, all of them are false, good, false gods. But this term God, this term Ilah, it means in Arabic Al-Ma'bud, the one who is worshipped. The one who worship is directed towards them. What is worship? I want to go into detail here. What is worship? Worship is related to Al-Khudu' and Al-Dhul. It's to do with submitting yourself and lowering yourself and humbling yourself before your object of worship. And a perfect example of that is the sajda. Because you lower yourself, you humble yourself, you take yourself down, you become nothing in the sight of your object of worship that you are making sajda to. So Allah Azza wa Jal is Al-Ilah i.e. al-ma'bud, the one who is worshipped. So when we say la ilaha illallah, there is nothing deserving of worship except Allah. There is nothing deserving of worship in truth 
except Allah Lots of things are worshipped, but nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah And Al-Ilah gives us a sifa, an attribute. And the same attribute is found from the name Allah, which I'm going to come to in a minute. I'm going to come back to in a minute. There is a an attribute which is Al-Ilahiyyah or Al-Uluhiyyah. We'll use Al-Ilahiyyah as, a, as a, an example here. And it basically means divinity or godliness or being the one who is deserving solely of worship. So Allah Azza wa Jal has the attribute of Al-Ilahiyyah, of divinity, of being the one that all worship is deserving of being directed towards. And Allah Azza wa Jal, with regard to the name Allah, which we come back to now, Allah comes from the same linguistic origin. It has the same, the, the meaning of it is the same meaning or a similar meaning to this meaning of Al-Ilah. However, it's something more than that because it comes together. And none of the names of Allah are identical. So Al-Ilah is not identical to Allah. Al-Ilah is the one who is deserving of worship. Allah gathers together all of the names of Allah Azza wa Jal in one place. Every single name of Allah, the meaning of it is found within Allah. Because all of it relates to the ilahiyyah, the divinity and the majesty and the lordship and the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that nobody has that except him. And nobody deserves that except him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is Allah, we understand that the basic meaning of the word Allah is the only one who is deserving of worship. And you can put it another way, the only one who has the characteristics that make him deserving of worship. Because if we think about the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is Allah? His giving, his rizq, his provision, his his hiba, his you know his, his gifts that he gives to us, his, the fadl that he gives to us, all of the things that Allah gives to us, our life, our death, all of the things that Allah causes to happen, His control of the universe, all of those things. Then we see that nobody has those attributes except Allah. Nobody has that perfection except Allah, so nobody is deserving of being worshipped except Allah. Allah means the one true God, the one true object of worship, the only one who is deserving of worship because of his perfection in his names and attributes. This is the name, Allah. And there was a very famous scholar of the Arabic language whose name was Siboya. Sometimes we call him Sibaway, but that's an Arabic pronunciation. His real name was Siboya. And Siboya, he has a statement regarding this name Allah. He says the name Allah is A'raful Ma'arif. It is the single most clearly defined name or noun that exists. There is no noun that exists that is more clearly defined than this one. And that is one of the differences between Al-Ilah and between the name Allah. Because the name Allah is one single piece. It can't be separated. So. There are many things in this world that have been taken falsely as an ilah, as an object of worship. But there is nothing that has ever taken the name Allah. There is nothing and nobody that has ever taken the name Allah. And if we say al-ilah means the God, if I ask you and I say to you, 
Let's just imagine that we had a room of people of different religions. And I said to one of each one, who is God? So the Hindu says that God is a statue or God is an animal or God is present within everything. I asked the Buddhist and the Buddhist said that God is the universe. And I asked the Christian and the Christian says God is Jesus. And I ask, who is Allah? Every single one of them knows who I'm talking about. And that is what Seboya is talking about. When he says, The most clearly defined name that exists. Because when you speak about the name Allah and you say Allah, nobody has even the most tiny doubt who you are referring to. When I say Al-Ilah, you know, this is, tends to be like in sort of in the Arabic Bible, you know, even the Christians, they tend to use Al-Ilah, you know, the God, because they don't, they know that when you say Allah, there's only one Allah. And you can't say Allah and mean Jesus, and you can't say Allah and mean a cow or an elephant or a monkey, and you can't say Allah and mean a tree or a stone or a grave, and you can't say Allah and mean Jesus or Uzair or anybody else you can't say Allah and mean anything except Allah Rabbul Alameen the Lord of the worlds that everything that exists and the scholars differed over which of the names of Allah is Allah's greatest name because Allah has a name that is his greatest name the name that when he is asked by it, somebody asks him by this name, he will give you what you ask for. And when someone makes dua by this name, he will answer their dua. The greatest of the 99, the number one name, the name that is at the top of all of the names, the scholars, of course, differed over which of the names of Allah is the greatest. And I will give you three opinions that are among the strongest opinions, and then I will tell you which one I think is right. The first is that it is Allah. That Allah's greatest name is Allah. The second is that His greatest name is Al-Hayyul Qayyum. And the third, that the meaning of Ismullah al-A'zam, the, the greatest name of Allah is not one name, but what we call in Arabic, Jins al-Asma. All of the names of Allah that have a comprehensive meaning. Because when we're going to talk about these names, we're going to see some of these names have a huge meaning that covers everything like the name Allah. And some of them have a very narrow meaning which covers one very specific thing like for example Al-Afu which relates to Al-Afu overlooking and pardoning has a very you know sort of specific meaning and the name Allah which has a huge meaning so some of the scholars said the meaning of Ismullah Al-A'zam is not one name but it is Jinsul Asma it is all of the names of Allah that have a comprehensive and detailed meaning Tarajih, the correct as far as I understand and according to my research and again I recommend you make dua with all of these three types of names to cover your bases anyway is that the greatest name of Allah is Allah and that this is Ismullah al-A'zam because whenever you look at any of the other names none of them compare to the name Allah every single meaning of divinity, every single meaning of perfection, every single meaning of beauty, every single meaning of supremacy is found within the name Allah. And this is the first name that Allah mentions in the Quran, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim and Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And this is the proof that it is a name from the names of Allah. Not that we need one, but the proof is Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the very first name that he mentions in the first ayah of Surah Al-Fatiha, whichever opinion you take about Fatiha, because there are two opinions. One is that the first ayah is Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, and the second is that the first ayah is Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Whichever opinion you take, the first name that Allah Azza wa Jal mentions in the Quran is Allah. And in my opinion, it is Allah's greatest name and all of the other names come underneath it. Because every single one of the other names of Allah refers to an aspect of His ilahiyyah, His divinity or His uluhiyyah, His right to be worshipped. How do we implement this name in our lives? How do we, you know, could talk about the name Allah until Fajr, but how do we implement this name in our lives? How do we live this name and make it something that we are very attached to? We've understood that the name has an attribute, and the attribute is Al-Ilahiyya, the divinity of Allah and the right of Allah to be worshipped. And so we understand that there's an action related to that. And the action related to that I can divide it into two things. The first and the most important is that you never ever divert anything of worship to anyone other than Allah. This is the most fundamental meaning of the word Allah and the most fundamental message. And I'll tell you how fundamental this message was. When the Prophet ﷺ used to walk in the Hajj and in the streets of Mecca and he used to say Ya Qawmi Qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu Say la ilaha illallah and you will be successful What was the response of Quraysh? Aja'ala al-alihata ilahan wahida Has he made all of our gods into one god? Quraysh understood that this name Allah and this statement La ilaha illallah was enough for them to understand the entire message of Islam. They didn't need to be explained that you can't make dua to anyone else besides Allah and you can't pray to anyone else besides Allah. They heard the word La ilaha illallah and straight away they understood that this name indicates that there is nobody who deserves to be worshipped, nobody who deserves to be made dua to, nobody who deserves to be prayed to, nobody who deserves to be feared with the fear of Allah, nobody who deserves to be loved with the love of Allah, nobody who deserves you to lower yourself and humble yourself and humiliate yourself before them except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember that worship of Allah is worship of the heart, and worship of the tongue and worship of the limbs. As for the worship of the heart, for example, al-khawf, fear, and al-khashya, your kind of, what's the word, your, your, your awareness of Allah, your fear of Him that leads you to be aware of Him and to be, to be humble and to be kind of soft and to be submissive before Him. And al-raghbah, your hope in Allah and your desire for what you will see with Allah and your love of Allah, which is the peak of your iman, your love of Allah Azza From the people are those people who have taken Gods besides Allah or partners besides Allah, they love them like they love Allah, but the believers love Allah more. This is one of the internal acts of worship. With the tongue, the dhikr, the Qur'an that you recite, the good word that you say, al-kalimatu tayyibah, the kind word that you say, all of it, all of it is only for Allah. With the limbs, the prayer, the fasting, the charity, the things that you do, you know, the walking to the masjid, all of it is only for Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in a hadith Qudusi narrated by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
أنا أغنى الشركاء عن الشرك I am the least in need of anyone making a partner with me من عمل عملا أشرك فيه معي غيري تركته وشركه Whoever does an action in which he makes a partner with me I abandon him and I abandon the partnership that he made And how will we be if Allah abandons us? How can we live if Allah abandons us? How could we breathe if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abandons us? How could we have any iman if Allah abandons us? So the most fundamental action when you know the name Allah is that every time you do anything with your heart or your tongue or your limbs which is beloved to Allah you only do it for Him. You only do it for Him. So when you raise your hands, you only raise them to Allah. And when you bow yourself in ruku', you only bow to Allah. And when you put your forehead on the ground, you only do it for Allah. Not so the people say, MashaAllah, look, he is praying so many raka'at, he is so pious. Not like that. When you fear, the fear that is only for Allah, you have it only for Allah. When you love the love that is only for Allah, you have it only for Allah. And nobody else. The hope that you have in Allah, you don't have in anyone else. The fear that you have for Allah, you don't have for anyone else. The remembrance, the recitation that you do of the Quran, you only do it for Him. And you recognize the perfection of Allah. Because this name leads us to a principle, and I said I will just I'll just kind of slot in principles of Allah's names and attributes just as we go, you know, sort of just dropping them in here and there. And it leads us to a principle, and that is that all of the names of Allah are Al-Husna. All of the names of Allah are the peak of perfection. All of the names of Allah are perfect in their beauty. So when you hear this name, it should bring to your mind every name of Allah that you know, and every attribute of Allah that you know, and every action that you know of worship to Him, should come into your mind when you think of the word Allah. And that is why it is, as we said, slightly different from the name Al-Ilah, even though they share a common sort of linguistic root or meaning, but it's slightly different because it can't be, the Al can't be taken away and it can't be given to anyone else. It's that unique name that has never been given to anyone else in truth or in falsehood. No, nobody has taken it falsely, and of course nobody, but Allah deserves it truly. And so it is the greatest name, and Allah knows best of the names of Allah. It indicates His divinity, His perfection, His worship, and the fact that everything we do from the inside, from the tongue, and from the limbs should only be for Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Call upon Allah with this. From the second action, and I'm going to conclude with this because I don't want to keep you guys too long, is that you use this name frequently in your dua. Sometimes we hear people maybe not using it as much as you would think. Using other names, you hear a lot of times people say, Arham Rahimin, Ya Rahman, Ya Ghafoor. But don't neglect to ask Allah by this name, especially when so many of the scholars said that it was Allah's greatest name. And especially when you know that this name is the name that when you make dua with it, your dua is answered. So don't forget that when you're in your dua and you're in your prayers, you say, Ya Allah, O Allah, and you make dua to Allah with this name, recognizing his perfection, recognizing his divinity, recognizing his right to be worshipped, and therefore submitting to him in Islam, because submitting to him in Islam is a result of recognizing his perfection and his names and his attributes. So when you recognize those names and attributes, when you recognize that perfection of Allah then you achieve the first step and that leads you to the step of worshipping him as he deserves to be worshipped. As we said, we could talk about this and talk about it and talk about it, but we have to keep it a little bit short as well for you guys and also because we want to 
get through as many of the names as Allah makes easy for us. So today we have touched upon the name Allah and also on the side we've touched upon the name Al-Ilah which as we said has a very similar meaning but the difference being that it's not one word that can never be broken or never be uh, sort of manipulated. Uh, for example, you can make the word Al-Ilah plural to, me, to make the word gods. Uh, you can make it, for example, uh, you know, it can become feminine and so on and so forth. But as for the word Allah, it only has, it can't be manipulated, it has no other ways you can, you know, change the name or apply the name to someone else. And it's the one name that when everyone hears it, everybody knows what it is that we are, that we are saying. So we ask Allah Azza wa Jal by His greatest name, Allah Al-Hayyul Qayyum, the one who, the name that which if he is asked by it, he gives and if he is made dua to with it, he answers. We ask Allah by this name to make us from the people who learn his names and attributes, to make us from the people who learn these 99 names, to make us from the people who worship Allah as he deserves to be worshipped, and to make us from the people of Jannatul Firdaus Al-A'la, the highest part in paradise, and we conclude by sending salah and salam, peace and salutations upon our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the one whom we would not have, or the one who we would not have known, a single name from the names of Allah if it were not for Allah and then him, and upon his family, and upon his companions, those people who passed on those names to the generations that came after them, and they were the ones who kept that amana and gave it on to us so that we could understand it and we could benefit from it today. Salat was salam. Ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. I think with regard to these sittings in the masjid, I personally find it easier if we just do questions kind of on the way out. I think that on the microphone as well, maybe some people want to go and they feel that they have to sit. So if anyone has any questions, they're more than welcome to ask, inshallah, as we are sort of going out. But we probably won't cover any in the sitting here today. Jazakumullah.